The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Support for this show comes from Inner Engineering, a program to empower every human being with the tools for well-being from the distilled essence of yogic sciences. Visit www.innerengineering.com to learn more. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Jacqueline Freeman. Jacqueline is a biodynamic farmer and beekeeper who appears in the honeybee documentary, Queen of the Sun. She's worked for the USDA on issues related to beekeeping and is the author of Song of Increase, listening to the wisdom of the honeybee for kinder beekeeping and a better world. You can read an excerpt and a review of her book in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Jacqueline Freeman, welcome to Essential Conversations. Why, thank you. And it's a beautiful day. All my bees are out today. <laughs> oh, how nice. How nice. Where did they go? They're out shopping? I, mean, I don't know what bees do when they go out. Gathering right. nectar, nectar and pollen and uh, seeing the world. Okay. Well, good for them. Good for them. And wh- where do you live that this is, this is I happening? Live, I live in Southwest Washington, just above Portland, Oregon. So is that a good climate for, for honeybees? We have three seasons. We don't have a hard winter, so that makes it nice. But we do have a very wet winter, and that makes it a little tough. But, um, you know, bees, they, they acclimate themselves to the, the weather. If you let them go enough years, they'll learn how to deal with it. And my bees have done really well. They, they thrive in this environment. So, so your bees are um, exceptional. Like if they went to Bee Academy, you'd have a bumper sticker on the back of your car. My bees are exceptional. Well, I believe that anyway, but uh, (laughs) Texas bees would have a hard time up here because they're really acclimated to a long, hot, dry summer um, that's a little different than our weather. And uh, so you want bees that are local to the area as much as you can. Okay, indigenous bees. So let let me ask you a question. So you call your love of bees being swarm swooned. <laughs> I, I took that from, from um, you know, I think it was your book or your website. How did you fall in love with the honeybee? When I first started keeping bees, uh, we have a farm and about, oh, I don't know, 14 years, a dozen, 13 years ago, somewhere around then, a friend of mine had her neighbor had sold her house and had bees and they didn't want to take the bees with them. So she offered them to me saying, you have a farm, you should have bees. And I thought, yeah, she's right. I have a farm. I should have bees. 
And I have to admit, at first, I was really quite scared of them. And I would get all dressed up in my bee equipment with my, you know, what you see beekeepers wear, the big hat and the, the gloves. And I'd, I'd tuck my pants and my jeans into my tall rubber boots and put duct tape around them. You know, I was just afraid of getting stung. And I eventually, I, I would go and sit and just watch them just right at the front door and they couldn't sting me through all of that. But I also noticed that they, they weren't particularly interested in me, (laughs) which was sort of a surprise. I guess I thought at first that bees would, you know, buzz all around and try to sting. And I, I didn't realize the nature of honeybees is completely different than that. They're, they're very, um, oriented to, you feel I've had so many people say the same thing. You, when you're around your bees and you're just sitting there with them, you feel love. You really do. It just goes in and opens your heart up. Let, let me let me jump in for a second and let people know that you no longer wear the beekeeper suit. You've retired that suit. If you go on, uh, this is for listeners, if you go on Jacqueline's website, spiritbee.com, you can see a video uh, where I don't know, you're you're sort of, I, I'm I'm making this up. You're sort of dancing with the bees, but you have no protective gear whatsoever, and you, you seem to be at one with with the the hive. That is the happiest time. I just love being in the bees. I mean, really, I've come so far from way back when I was duct taping my jeans into my boots. Now, no, I don't wear equipment. In in a rare situation, I would. Um, If bees were injured and upset, in that case, I would, you know, they would be stingy. But that's such an exceptional situation. And all the rest of the time, if you just move slowly and with full heart with them, and you can see, I know the video you're talking about right on the front page. There's about, I would say, 20 to 30,000 bees in the air around, um, uh, just around. And it's just delightful. My goodness, my, my heart just like opens up to bursting. It's just so ecstatic a time to be in there. And you'll find more and more people feeling that way about their bees too. It's There's something exceptional about this being that really, it just comes right inside of you. It's like this vibration of, of love and harmony and peacefulness. Well, I want to come back to that. I, I do want to explore that with you. But before we do that, I think we we just not we have to lay out or you're going to do it, but we, let me ask the question to get you to do it to lay out the central importance of bees to human survival. If if all the hives, I know we have this issue around the United States of of hive collapse. If if the bees disappeared, how long could humans survive? Well, I don't think that we'd want to survive very much longer than that. Um, you know there. When we think of it, there's two ways. First of all, I think it's one of the things is our diet would decrease significantly. We'd lose virtually all of our fruits and, and many of the vegetables as well. But I think the other thing, too, is if the bees weren't around here, what kind of world would we have created that would exclude the bees from being a part of our, really, I think it's not just a part of the animal kingdom, but a part of all humanity in that greatness of the word, you know, to be a human alone in the world or, or in the wholeness, the fullness of the world, two completely different experiences. 
So do you have a sense why there's this hive collapse oh, yeah. going on? Yeah, that's that's not real complicated. <laughs> um, first of all, our we have so many pesticides and chemicals, uh, toxic stuff in the in the air and on plants. And the common person, the the person who sprays in their backyard to keep oh aphids off their roses or something, just has no idea that they really are harming so much more of the life on the planet. And I, I'm saying this from little tiny bugs all the way up to big humans. Um, you know, there's there's a problem with the effect of the toxic stuff. The, uh, the other part of it is we've also, um, we've also made some pretty radical changes in bee management. Um, we take care of bees in, in ways where we feel like we humans have to be in there doing things to them all the time. I remember when I first started beekeeping and went to my first bee training, they were saying, if you aren't in there taking care of your bees every week, you're a bad beekeeper. And I've come full circle. I'm on the uh, way on the other end now. I encourage my bees to be bees and do what bees do because their common sense about their own care is so much better than mine. Hmm. Um, a lot of us who are, are we're called treatment-free beekeepers, and we don't do any treatments to the bees. We, we are encouraging the strong bees to survive and to let the weak bees die off, which is a hard thing to do. But um, I think that's really what the intention of all of this going on is. Stronger bees will emerge from it. And I'm one of the people that's supporting that effort. It's also called um, bee-centric beekeeping. And that's kind of the way I think of it, really. Every single time I go to do something, I ask myself first, what is this like from the perception of the bee? Is this something that is pleasurable? Is this something that's nasty? And I don't do the nasty things, and I do the pleasurable things. So I do things like bees have inside the hive, they have a beautiful scent that they make from propolis. Uh, propolis is made from the sap and, uh, sap and resins of trees and a little bit of um, some of their own um, honey and a little tiny bit of their own wax, but mostly it's the propolis that they use. And that's, uh, that is part of their healing, their medicine. So what bees do is they close up the entire interior of the hive except for their entrance, and they have propolis all around the outside. And what happens in there is that they're breathing their medicine all the time, and it helps make them healthier. So if you were, by, um, by conventional standards, a good beekeeper, you'd be opening that hive up all the time and checking them out, looking to see how everything's going in there, as if we would know. And um, you're releasing all of that beautiful scent and that beautiful medicine that keeps them healthy. So that's one example of something that I do. I rarely open my hives up. And if I do, I'm in and out super quick because I want them to just bask in their med the, the scent of their medicines to keep them healthier. So let the bee be a bee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the spirituality of the bees. I mean, the book certainly deals with beekeeping, but there's a whole... Oh, there's a dimension to what you're writing about that is really about spirituality. And you talk about that, you write that bees live in wholeness. And I think you use that as, I mean, it's not a metaphor, it's a fact, but you're using it as, oh, sort of shining a light on the way humans live 
and suggesting that we can learn a lot from the way bees live. How do you, what do you, what do you have in mind exactly? Can I read you a paragraph or two? About oh, absolutely. This is, this is from the bees. I do communicate with the bees, and this is one of the messages that they gave me. They said, we wake up to the understanding that we are all one, all the time. Human beings exist, connected each to each, but believe that they are not. Honeybees dwell in the full realization of that connection and have done so for eons. The unity we embody is a reflection of the kingdom-wide unity that dwells in us all. This is the gift we bring, complete sacred unity in body and spirit. To be in the presence of spirit, to simply sit and be in such presence, offers the opportunity to be transformed by it. This we offer you. Come, sit, be with us. Drink in the unity as you would fresh rain. We offer our gift with great joy and love. So you are hanging out with some very articulate bees. <laughs> and I I'm, find that just as interesting as the next person. You know, I, I listen to bees and all I hear is bzzz, you know, and I, I have to, I need a translator. I mean, that was pretty impressive. But, and this, this goes to my next question. We, as humans... Though, like you said a moment ago, we, we are interconnected, but we really do our best to deny that and have for centuries since the Renaissance when, when we, in, we invented the idea of individuality in a sense. And I was, you know, I was looking at your book and then I went to pop culture. I used to teach religion and pop culture at the university. So I went to my pop culture notes and I'm thinking that, you know, you have this hive mind that the bees revel in. But then you think of the hive mind in American pop culture. So you have Star Trek's The Borg, right? They're the bad guys, you know, but they have a hive mind. They talk about it that way. In uh, the British show Doctor Who, you've got Cybermen and Daleks. They're also hive mind, but they're the bad guys. Even in, in the zombie sh phenomenon, which is everywhere, I mean, they're, they don't really communicate the same way. But they're sort of a hive mind. They don't have this sense of individuality anymore. And it suggests to me, and I'm going to get your opinion on this, that on some cultural level, we are opposed to the loss of our separate identities that would allow us to really learn from the wisdom of the bee. So do, when, when you talk about this to people, when people read the book or, re or respond to the book, do you hear people resisting the call of the hive? Not the people that I've spoken with. And uh, that's a really quite fascinating concept that you're bringing up about how that's in our culture uh, and how the resistance to it is in the culture. But what I find is most of the people who I interact with, either through my classes and workshops or my book, um, they're really looking for what is it that brings us together? And really, if we're going to go forward in this world, I, I do believe that is one of the most crucial questions. How do we come together? So the people who come and listen to you, uh, are they beekeepers themselves? Or, I mean, I almost get the sense that beekeeping is a spiritual practice. Yes. Is, is that the kind of person that's coming, someone who's going to practice beekeeping as uh, spirituality? Absolutely. 
Yes, I do teach bee classes, and of course they have some of the practical aspects of beekeeping, but it's also about being conscious of, of how you are with the bees. You know, I find that my ability to be present in the world has, and has become so much more enhanced and nuanced because I've been in the presence of the bees. If you, I, I, one time I was having a bit of a snit of an argument with someone, <laughs> And it was a political argument and we were just on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I was in a really, you know, kind of a negative space. And the next thing I had to do was go in and give a talk with some bees. And of course, I have that thing about not wearing bee equipment because I want people to know that bees are not dangerous. And I walked in and, oh man, a bee stung me just like that, stung me right at the top of my head. And I stepped out of the, the bee cage there area. and. I walked in again, went, okay, brush that off. And I got stung a second time. And I hardly ever get stung. And I realized it was my negative attitude. It was my snittiness that was um, making the bees not want me to be in their company. Hmm. That's so, fascinating. Sort of like be as Zen master, sort of that crack that tried to wake you up to, uh, <laughs> to shake off the negativity. <clears throat> So, so let me ask you this then. Um, I mean, how has, I mean, you mentioned this, but now give me a, a couple of details. We only have a couple of minutes left, but how has beekeeping, the way you now do it, changed the way you are in the world? I think one of the things that keeping bees has taught me is that in my life prior to bees, I had this luxury of being able to be inattentive to how I was being in the world without feedback. Um, uh, of course, it affected my life, but I notice when I'm around bees that I pay attention to everything. It, it is kind of a Zen experience, isn't it? I pay attention to what I bring to that hive. Am I interacting with them in a way that's caring, that has, that's full of kindness? Is my heart full? Um, that really is what's affected me the most. And being able to sustain that, you know, sitting and meditating for 20 minutes, I always found that, I often found that to be a challenge. Being with the bees, oh my God, I could sit there and it would be four hours later and I can't believe that much time has passed. And it's been a time of being fully present in that moment. So I, I thank them and I bless them for giving me that opportunity to develop my own soul's path. Oh, that is beautiful. We're going to have to leave it there because we are out of time. But it was such a pleasure talking with you about this. My guest today was Jacqueline Freeman. She's the author of Song of Increase, listening to the wisdom of the honeybee for kinder beekeeping and a better world. You can read an excerpt and review of her book in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Jacqueline's work on her website, spiritbee.com. So again, Jacqueline, thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you. I'm very grateful for this experience with you. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Inner Engineering, a program to empower every human being with the tools for well-being from the distilled essence of yogic sciences. Visit innerengineering.com to learn more. 
Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.